0: everyone welcome to the lifted podcast I'm your host Helen Dunham and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators all right hello hello we are back at it again we're kicking we're rolling Happy Wednesday, if you're here on Wednesday morning, and uh, if you're tuning in later on in the week, episodes drop every Wednesday morning, so come hang out with us. It's a blessing to be here with you every week. So, what's going on, you guys? Let's get a little temperature check. In fact, you know what? Why don't we just take a couple deep breaths, okay? Let's just do that. One more. That feels really good. I always record these intros and outros on Tuesday evenings. I have my chamomile tea. I'm in my cozies. It's the end of the day. And, you know, I think with everything going on, just in general, and how our life ebbs and flows, it's so important to keep coming back to those rituals uh, that we have in general, but also to just make time to take breaths during the day, come back to the breath and calm our nervous systems down. I I sometimes forget how much of like a little bunny I am. I'm just jumping all over the place. <laughs> sometimes it's easy to forget, you know, to come back to center and stay aligned. So we're working on that. It's a it's a practice, daily practice. But um, anyways, let's get into today's episode. We this one's really special. This one is very special. We've got Sabine Naderberg House joining us, and Sabine has come into my life like an angel. Let me tell you. So. For the last couple weeks, I was house-sitting for a good buddy, um, still in Topanga, in the canyon, like 10 minutes away from where I am right now, and uh, he was like, can you house-sit for uh, my partner and I while we go on this trip? I was like, oh, of course, sure, and he was like, can you watch the kitties? We've got these beautiful Maine coon cats. I was like, oh yeah, totally, I'll go over. Uh, So I didn't have any idea what to expect. I was just like, sure, I'll help my friend out, it'll be nice to have another spot to go to in the day and just like bounce around. Um, so I show up and it's the most beautiful ranch I mean it's so stunning it's like this oasis pops up out of the mountains in the Santa Monica Mountains in Topanga and um, I had no idea they lived on a like this gorgeous ranch with a few properties on it so <laughs> I'm driving by I'm like oh my god I would do anything to just like go meet one of these horses I can't believe I'm here that the property is just stunning and sure enough, I meet Sabine. So Sabine, uh, you know, is running the whole estate over there, and um, I meet her, and we sit down to talk, you know, we just kind of get to know each other. We end up talking about branding, and just, you know, business development, all these interesting things that we're connecting on, and I realize that she's also running, you know, this beautiful equestrian program um, called the Equine Leadership Program, which has been Something that she's been coming into recently and has been so beautiful for her. Um, You know, one thing leads to another. And while I was house sitting for these couple weeks, I just got the pleasure of getting to know Sabine and watch her work with the horses. So, I mean, I'm going to try to describe what she does a little bit. It's, It's like a beautiful alternative to therapy. It's like this holistic healing journey that her clients go on. When they show up to the ranch, uh, it's people that really know that there's something they're trying to connect with some kind of healing that needs to unfold and, and come to light. Um, people, all kinds of people come through, um, craving this connection to nature. I think a lot of people feel very drawn to horses because they're so majestic and they're strong. And sometimes they can even be intimidating. You know, if you've never been around a horse before, they're very powerful, beautiful creatures. Um, but people show up to uh, La Esperanza, where uh, where the ranch is, and they go through these really profound healing sessions, and Sabine is facilitating these healings. Um, so people, and essentially, they just work with the horses, and there is a trust that has to be built to even work with a horse in the first place. There's an introduction, um, there is just an integration that goes on, and there is really building trust And rapport with the horse and I love Sabina. always says this she says you can never lie to a horse they see right through you they see everything they sense everything their sense of smell picks up on you know your cortisol levels if they're too high I mean they they sense and detect everything so there's no hiding from a horse I love when she says that so it becomes an inevitably very authentic and real and exposing experience for people in the most beautiful way and, um, anyway, so, I mean, we have to have Sabine on here, right? So I was like, we, oh, we've got to interview Sabine for the Lifted podcast. So she's here. She's going to take us through her journey a little bit, you know, and describe why and how she started this program and, uh, and what to expect. And just, you know, she's had such a fascinating and such a cool life. And, I mean, we get a beautiful little rundown of some of the things in this episode, but I mean, every time I sit down with Sabine, I learn something new about her. She's so fascinating. She's the coolest. So anyways, I think I've said enough here, (laughs) but uh, I always say, uh, go check us out on Instagram while you're listening. So Sabine's program is at equine leadership program, and I'm at Helen Denham underscore. So Hit us up, check it out, let us know what you're learning and you're thinking as you listen. And as always, if you feel like a friend might benefit from this information in this episode, please feel free to send it along. You know, that's community right there. And um, that's beautiful. So thank you again for being here and enjoy my conversation with Sabine. So the first question I love to ask guests is how do you like to start your day off? Do you have any rising routines or rituals that you go to? That's an interesting question because how I like to start my day off and how
1: I really get to start my day so is a big difference. Mm-hmm. I like to start it in a calm way, wake up, I do, would like to do my 10 minute meditation and breathing in bed mm-hmm. and then get up, get my tea, send down myself. Uh, And then the phone comes, the messages, and Mm -hmm. you just know how that is in today's world. We are in such a fast world, so then I have to get moving. Something, either it's a session or a lesson or something else, or the property calls me.
0: Um, There's always different different tasks every day. Mm -hmm. I know you're busy, too. I don't actually know how you handle it. There's so much going on over here, but uh, how have you seen, have you seen meditation and just like, you know practicing mental well-being change your life in any way i haven't done it that long yet yeah
1: funny i wasn't born in a family or in a, a tradition of my family that was doing this kind of lifestyle we were mm-hmm. um, raised to be always working um, my family was you know business company big company and my dad um, we had horses we were just up early in the morning six thirty at the barn so there was no time for our self healing. We were always healed by the horses already. Mm-hmm. It was interesting because there was a lot of um, work, a lot of stress sometimes you know because later there was competitions and so we were never
0: in the in that spiritual healing world to be honest Welcome to California. So when did that start to change for you? When did you start to pay attention to it? about
1: ten years ago, uh-huh that's when I kind of opened my eyes a little bit more. And I also started to have sleeping problems. Mm. And then, you know, the Western medicine came in and that didn't do anything good for me. So I started to work with a friend in like Tai Chi, a little bit, Um, very difficult for me. Um, I had a whole different mindset. I had to really change a lot of things. And really, really just about a
0: year ago, things started to go into that direction much more strongly for me. Mm-hmm. Because you were finding that the Western medicine, nothing was really working. It was going to take a paradigm shift in a way.
1: Oh, the Western medicine I had already said goodbye to in a way yeah. longer than that, but I hadn't fi- found an alternative for myself. Right. So now I work with the horses and I relax myself with the horses. The same with the dogs, you know, I always have a dog around me. They give me a lot of peace. Mm-hmm. Um, and calm me down. Um, They're narcoleptic, by the way, you know. The dogs? Yes. yes. So, boom,
0: they're on the floor, sleep, so I try to do the same. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. There are at least three, four, four dogs here. Three, 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 three. three. Baloo and Stevie and... Chico. Chico is Mm -hmm. the German short hair. I love them. So, I will have already given a little bit of an introduction about what you do and what's going on over here, but I would love to know just Take us back to the beginning of when you started to really work with horses. And it sounds like you were brought up around horses. So what has your journey looked like?
1: My journey was um, from a little girl, four years old. I had my first pony. We had a ranch in Germany, pony ranch at the time. My four-year-old sister was of course, four years ahead of me. Um, and she was much more into this becoming like the best rider in the world Versus me, I was into the Indians and cowboys, and I wanted to ride in the forest, and I was bareback, and my grandpa made me bows and arrows, and we were out in the forest shooting at trees, falling off the horse, climbing back on. My first pony was Blondie. She was uh, my baby, and I had her for many years. Um, in the winter we would have a slate and we would go in the snow together. I would ride to school with her. I would oh get grounded gosh. from school because I showed up on my pony. Yes, she was my she was my um my soulmate. Oh. very young, from very young on. And then later I I think I turned twelve when I got the pony of my sister that she became European champion with. And um in dressage and so then I was kind of more trained into that competing world but I never really liked it and I quit it and uh, I was 16 and then I became a glider pilot I was a glider pilot at the age of 16 and a half
0: what what does that entail
1: that is just learning how to fly a plane without an engine whoa it's all about wind nature that's I was always drawn to hobbies uh-huh. That brought me in contact with nature. That's a very clear picture of me today. Wow. And it's still the same now.
0: Glider planes. So yeah. what? how do you even take off in a glider you have, plane? They
1: have a winch that pull you up to um, 400 meters. That's 1,200 feet. Mm-hmm. Then the, you detach the, um, the, the wire, whatever it's called. And then you go and you look for thermal. And if you're good, you catch a thermal, you climb up to 4,000 feet, you stay in the air for three, four hours, you go from one thermal to the next, and then you fly with the hawks. The the hawks are, they show you always where the thermal is. So you're in there and then the, the plane goes and you just hear the wind and you see the birds and they fly with you. And then when the thermal stops at certain elevation, you drop down. So you have all this time to do your fancy things and go fast and pull it up. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you have to land again. So And then how do you land it when you're just gliding? You can land anywhere. That's the whole thing. You can land on a a field. You just have to make sure that you envision fences early enough. So you have to find it from... You have to target some big area. Uh And you have most of the time enough time to do it. And then you have a radio and then they come with the trailer and pick you up and bring you back
0: that is so cool yeah. my mom flies uh, little Cessna planes but I've never even seen a glider plane in action that's so cool mm-hmm. so well now I'm curious so then what else happened so you were doing so, that yeah mm-hmm. I was doing that
1: then I went to Africa mm-hmm. I um, actually ended up in Kenya and started my own windsurfing schools and diving schools um, and um, I was there for nine years then I got sick I came back So that is the only time really where I wasn't around horses that much. We did have horses there, but it wasn't so much concentrated on the horses. It was more my water sports. Mm -hmm. Again, nature, water, waves, Mm -hmm. gives you that feeling, you know? Yeah. Grounding feeling and... uh, Diving underwater with fish, swimming with whale sharks. It was always fantastic in the Indian Ocean. Wow. So then I came back and then I came to America after my study program in Germany, business studies. And I studied at University of Indiana. And, uh, and then I, got, uh, I came to California for an internship, mm-hmm. part of my program. And I met my today's husband. Yeah. So we then started
0: this ranch together. And what had brought you to Kenya in the first place? Water sports. Water sports. Yeah. It was all about that. Yeah. Huh. I wanted to go to this beautiful beach. I saw,
1: I, uh, we remodeled my bedroom when I was 14, I think. And I bought this poster with my mom that showed this amazing beach with these palm trees leaning into the white sand and the turquoise water. Oh. And I said, this is where I will live one day. Wow. I found it in a catalog and I booked a flight. I had saved a lot of money and I went with my sister and we did a vacation there.
0: Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. And you
1: loved it. And then as I made all these arrangements with this woman that owned this amazing beach property, yeah. an old English lady. And so then I
0: was, um, I went to live there. So cool. All right. So you came to California. You met your now husband, and um, so you were telling me you started the ranch um, mm-hmm. when I the year I was born, I think. So in '93, the ranch you my started goodness, the ranch. My Yes. And uh, <laughs> did you? Were Am you, I you, that old yet? <laughs> <you> no. <know? laughs> Um, so, the intention was you wanted to start riding again and, and, and tell us the story of starting the ranch here in, in Topanga. Well, we bought this
1: land with an ocean view, and you know, Malcolm, my husband, had already had three horses. Mm-hmm. And um, we, uh, the first thing is, you know, I saw immediately, oh, this is a lot of work. He thought, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake, right? a doctor, you know, they don't know much, sorry, I don't want to generalize, but (laughs) they often don't have the knowledge of doing things, they hire people, Mm -hmm. so I wanted to do it myself and I did the whole thing, planned it out, dad came over, my mom, we kind of organized things around and barn fences, you know, the little trailer home that we then later remodeled And you know what, it's today, you know, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. We have, you know, nice property. Then we bought uh, another piece of land. So we have all together about seven acres. Mm -hmm. And the horses have about three and a half to be free in during the day, at Mm -hmm. night, there in the stall. And and that's about the story. And landscaped everything, that was fun. Oh my gosh. All my trees, right.
0: I wish people could see this. If, If you guys have been watching my Instagram stories, you're seeing a little bit, but the way that you have landscaped this place, when you drive in, It's just stunning. It's like an oasis that pops up out of the mountains and you you see the ocean from here. You're looking through this beautiful mountain view and you can see the ocean, this heavy marine layer in the morning and throughout the day. It's just beautiful, so peaceful. And the wildlife around here is great. How often have I
1: seen bobcats and and coyotes all the time on the horses and deer, big bucks and babies. I mean, it's getting less now with more people moving in the, into these mountains and more fences being put up. But, mm-hmm. you know, we still have our niches and, you mm-hmm. know, we still know where we find them.
0: Mm-hmm. So, all right. So you started the ranch and were you first starting to offer like riding lessons for people coming in to work with the horses? Or, or what has been the trajectory of, of how you've been working with the horses and your clients?
1: We always had guests coming to ride. Mm-hmm. At, in you know, I was working and the ranch was part of my job, you know, and and some weeks I was not working and I would just be here and then always friends came. We had a lot of visitors in the first, what, 15 years. And it it was just like the free riding place, you know, people were coming to ride with us. Mm -hmm. We never thought about anything but, you know, pleasure. Mm -hmm. And then we had more horses. And so I also realized, you know, that I was giving a lot of knowledge to people. And eventually I decided, you know what? Oh, I had a little neighbor girl. That's how it started, Gloria. Mm -hmm. I put her on Dakota, one of our horses, the first horses um, when she was two. And then at six years, I started teaching her. She wanted to become a rider like me. Because I would ride by the house every day. So I started to take her. She learned really quickly. And that's when I discovered the love for teaching kids. Mm -hmm. I totally decided. I'm going to teach kids what I know and what I was given when I was young. Mm. And that went on for a few years. with different students and they go, you know, they grow up. The hormones kick in, the boyfriends come (laughs) and then they disappear. But then there's new girls. And so it's kind of a repeating uh, um, tradition in a way, but every person is different. So anyway, it was three years before COVID that I... Created a real company around it, which was the Esperanza Riding Academy, mm-hmm. and pretty much I had like twenty-five private students from all kids, all ages to women, mm-hmm. um, a few guys. But it's more seems to be more sport for, for, for the female. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Yeah, and um, it was a wonderful time. We had sleepover camps at the house. Um, there were my, the kids were my family. Oh, um, we would you know. To spend days, um, we had summer camps, cleaning equipment. I would teach them things, you know, for life. You know, just cleaning your shoes before you throw them in the corner, or you'd keep your things neat and clean, and and then also the fun. We gave them a lot. I gave them a lot of fun mm-hmm. because I tend to have fun around the horses, mm-hmm. and yet I'm disciplined, and they know that there's only one voice at the barn, mm-hmm. or one vote when it comes to being around these big guys, and that's mine. And when they're on the horse, it's theirs with that horse. Mm-hmm. So that's rule number one. Mm-hmm. And all the parents were okay with, you know, they loved it, and, and then COVID came, and so yeah. we stopped. You stopped, did you stop for like a year? What, what yeah. happened? Yeah, yeah I stopped for a year, um, and then I started again. It was more like a coincidence. All the people disappeared, very interesting by the way. After all this time, I invested into all these kids and girls how they just disappeared. They never called about the horses again or... Not the parents. I mean, I was wondering, how do you educate your child? Spending two years with this woman, sleeping in their house, in her house, how come you don't tell your little kid, even though it's riding somewhere else, hey, what about Kayak and Regalizzo and Chance, who you love so much, do you want to give them a call? Mm-hmm. How come that isn't happening? Yeah. That was something I had to learn, and it was a very,
0: kind of it gave me a little bit of a bad taste Mm -hmm. after all what I put in there, you know? Totally, I understand that and I actually think it's kind of an American culture block. Wow. Because I think a lot of Europeans are much more family-based and Mm -hmm. community-based, big family meals. There's something here in America that's not quite the same. Interesting. Um, People are a little bit more separate and they don't think in communal terms a lot of the time, I just noticed that. Mm -hmm. um, You know, I was surprised, and I think this is why travel is so important for people whenever they can go, is to see other cultures and the way that families interact and people just communicate. Um, It's just so different over here. Um, Mm -hmm. I learned so much about that in Italy, just the way that people structure their days out, and it's it's about rest and play and joy. Absolutely. It's not about go, go, go. It's like, where is your joy? Like, life is meant to be, you know, peaceful and fun isn't Mm -hmm. it funny right Um, okay the business closes at one o'clock right and then then
1: it opens again in the evening at six exactly and then dinner is at 11. Uh
0: I love the Mediterranean traditions they're great people Mm -hmm. wonderful yeah Mm -hmm. so we have something to learn over here from that so yeah that's very interesting so so when did you start opening up again uh, I don't really exactly know it happened just
1: by coincidence I was of course working my horses in the big arena and our neighbor that are renting a place next door the little girl. Uh, Jackie she just came over with her friends watching me and then I put her on my regalito and she was just she's a talent she's been riding for years she's mm-hmm. only six but she started at the age of three I think. So she's one of those girls that you put on a horse and she just does it. Mm. But how she handled that regalita horse made us become really close friends, her and I. Mm -hmm. And she comes rides every every day when I'm riding. Mm -hmm. She's with me. And then there's other girls that came in. So now I'm just two, I think we are eight girls. And I teach three days a week. And the rest of the time I'm dedicating to my new
0: program. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited to hear you talk about this as well. So now there's been a new kind of transition and shift into what you've been calling the equine leadership program. Um, so tell us what's going on. What is this program about and uh, what are people experiencing? People are experiencing different things, of course,
1: um, because they're working with live animals, with a live, you know, a majestic horse. Mm-hmm. So there's a variety of things that mm-hmm. happens. Um, They come in with, I don't know, what they're looking for. I don't really know until they get there. Um, I have to team them up with a horse. I have to have an intuition when I feel them arriving, coming out of the car. What do they want? I team them up with a horse and um, I find out in my first three, four minutes what it's about in my conversation whether it's stress, whether it's problems with other people, whether it's communication issues, fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, fear is a lot, confusion, yeah. um, not being able to concentrate on things, and not being heard, not
0: being listened to. Mm-hmm. And that is those are probably the main issues that I'm dealing with right now. That's so interesting. So it's turned into more of like a healing program about bonding, building trust. It seems that way. Yeah. Um, interestingly,
1: um, because I wasn't really sure what it was what that journey would be, but the journey is very clear to me now. It's helping people to get over um, hurdles and boundaries mm-hmm. and open up for new things, mm-hmm. find a new path, um, be more courageous and more concentrated and focused and not just walk through life and let other people tell you what to do or the media or the phone or whatever it is that distracts us distract us from our focus we need to set that ourselves our own targets and when you are very clear about yourself you're clear about your targets and your goals
0: mm-hmm. right and so to dig into that a little bit to get clear on ourselves we have to be so strong in our presence and our energy, right? And, and then the horses help us bring that out, right? Because we have to learn how to communicate and honor them and trust them and build that, build that you know, rapport with the horse. It's a, magic, a magical
1: process in a way. Um, I've learned from them in early age, as I mentioned in the beginning, how to read them. Mm-hmm. And I purely believe, you know, the word horse whisperer, I have two in my life that I call it horse whispers myself and I have learned from reading about other people that think they are, but it never really made sense to me. Some of it was too clinical and too theoretical, but I have found my own approach, and I don't want to give it a name yet. It Mm -hmm. will get a name Mm -hmm. eventually, what that method is going to be called, but I have found it, and I have witnessed how it works with Mm -hmm. the um, bringing the horse and the person together and it happens a lot through their senses Mm -hmm. and their energy field which is you know a horse has a lot of fear in it himself itself so that translates to people who come in that have fear and now the art is how do you make them work together
0: Mm -hmm. and I figured out how to do it Mm -hmm. and that's my little secret It's so cool to watch and just to be around you. I've just had the pleasure of watching you work with a couple people and, you know, just helping me even approach a horse and what's what's the correct way to do that and, and um, really respect them and be calm enough to earn their, like, attention in a way. And, and it's so interesting to see how their body language changes as they, you know start to build a relationship with you and what happens. And it's very emotional to experience, even to just be around a horse without, you know, I love that you don't keep the saddle on them or their reins on, it's like they're usually bareback and so you can really connect with them. Um, Yeah, I'm trying to figure out a way to kind of explain it, but there's something kind of intangible about it um, that's very magical to to connect with a horse like that. Connecting with a
1: horse is, you see, First you have to gain the trust. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be around us. We are predators to them. That's always what I explain to my clients, mm-hmm. or my friends, or my students, whatever. That's the basic thing. We are predators to them. We stink, we, we are loud, we are ugly, we are noisy. Yeah, really. Mm -hmm. That's what I exactly say because that's what it is. Yeah. Now, if they're free, they run away. They don't want to be with us, right? So when do we meet them? When they're in stalls. Mm -hmm. Now, imagine all these horses in stalls all day, 24-7. What are they? Yeah, they either numb already from being in there for 20 years Mm -hmm. and they've been beaten down to, you know, losing their instincts. But when they are not like that, when they are still natural, they're not happy. Mm-hmm. And so that's where my COE starts, when the horses are free in the day and my horses are out in the day, they live a herd life. Mm-hmm. They're only in at night so I can control what they eat because mm-hmm. in their hierarchy, the strongest eats most, gets fat, and the one that really needs it gets dinner, right? So <laughs> that's how it is, they <laughs> so don't they protect have... each other. Yeah. You know, they're not like don't us. No. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I strongly feel that um, Making them happy is the first thing for my program um, to work. Mm -hmm. I need to work with happy horses. If I want to take on a new horse, if I'm expanding my school, my academy or my program, I would... um, I would also work with work a with horse first by myself for about two weeks and spend some time because I want to really get to know this horse. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, art. And I love doing that. Mm-hmm. It's it's the best. It's the best that you can do.
0: Yeah. How have you seen yourself change and evolve from through working with horses? Like, how has it changed you as a person? I think I have become more centered, mm-hmm. more calm. Um, I
1: can listen better to other people. Mm-hmm. I give different signals in my body language. Mm-hmm. Um, I am less loud, although sometimes the German in me, you know, is that harsh tone. But to myself, I have, you know, changed that also. And um,
0: I'm just more intuitive, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that you bring up the word intuitive, because there is something like, in the horse also, they they are intuitive as well, so it's like this kind of kismic connection between the person and the horse like communicating almost like not psychically but there's an energy field that you enter like a vortex that you enter together to work together yeah that's what happens you know in my
1: introductory session when i have my clients come Mm -hmm. um that's what i do i build up this connection and it happens in their like you know body area where their stomachs are You know, I align them with them, and then, you know, we start the work. Um, And as I said, I don't want to reveal too much of what I do, Mm -hmm. but that's how it works.
0: Why do you think people get so emotional? Like, I mean, when I first am around these horses and their natural environment, it almost makes me cry. And we had Sweet Allie over here the other day, and it's just emotional to be around them and and just see them free like that, and then their willingness to come to us is, is such a an honor to have them pay attention to us, but why do you think we get so emotional around them? It's their breathing and their
1: energy that they have inside them, that they carry with them, the size, and then when they let you come close, everybody is speechless at first because they think, oh, it's such a big animal and you may have never met one before and so you're like scared and suddenly it stands right next to you and he's smelling your face and you feel that warm breath over your skin, and you go, oh my God, they're so gentle. Mm. And they're so sweet, mm-hmm. and that's what they really are. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think that makes it very special to people. Mm-hmm. That makes you, an, uh, sets a memory in you right there for the next time, or people leave here, and then I always say to them, when you drive down the hill, why don't you record to yourself on your phone what you felt during mm-hmm. the session? And then tonight, listen to it again, and then do me a favor and write it down. And then the next day, send it to me. And then the following day, read it yourself again and see if you still feel the same. Mm -hmm. And it's a very interesting development because most people Develop already from day one when they record to day three of what they experienced. Something already happened in there mm-hmm. that they're realizing when they hear their own words and then read what they wrote down the day one, and then they read again what they what they write on day three as an example. Mm-hmm. They say, "Oh my God, mm-hmm. this is something has happened." absolutely the testimonials yeah. speak for themselves
0: you know mhm
1: mhm mm-hmm.
0: and there's just something about our like western world now we're pretty disconnected from nature in general i think maybe covid has actually helped people come back to nature and take their long walks and just pay attention to their surroundings and getting outside more but maybe that has something to do with it too just being so close to nature in that way that you feel you kind of remember your humanity and you're like almost animal nature in a way, when you can connect with a horse and, and nature like that, it remind, reminds us who, of who we are.
1: Right. I mean, you know, I'm lucky because my location is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm in the prime location in around Los Angeles, I'm beautiful. Um, let me just put myself and my horses into some barn that I had to rent to do the work with it would probably be a little different because Definitely. you know, you aren't are other people, there may be some noises, there's more distraction. So I'm very lucky of having this combination because that makes it ultra special. So special. And yeah. it gives such an individual journey mm-hmm. because of the individual horse, the individual person, and the special location. So you have like a triangle of, of, of power that meets that is like the best basis to make this a successful program.
0: Totally. I mean, it's just, this is my favorite drive into Panga coming through this canyon. It's, it's so special to even just drive through the mountains and show up here. So that, I mean, I totally understand what you're saying. I also wanted to ask you about, um, finally, some of the, the backgrounds of these horses that you're working with. Can you share a couple of stories? Like, where is Kayak from? Where is Domino from? Well all um kayak, regalito
1: and chance are Lusitanos and Dominio is an in Andalusian. They all came over by plane. Oh my gosh. Dominio <laughs> is from Spain, as I said, Kayak from France, um, Chance from Portugal and Regalito from Brazil. Mm-hmm. So I have an international crew. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Really funny, isn't uh-huh. it? Um, got all horses from our friend Mark. Um, Mark is from Portugal. He's been in America for a long time. He buys these most amazing horses. He has a real eye for the Lusitano breed, Mm. for the Iberian horses. Um, He buys them, trains them, breeds them also now. He has the most amazing stallions and mares. Um, He actually uh, trains them for the Portuguese bloodless bullfight. Mm. I know many people will say, oh, Um, it's more about the horsemanship. Um, not like the Spanish bullfights. And um, I get the horses from him. I know when I get a horse from Mark, the horse has a good head. Mm-hmm. The horse has not been abused. And the horse is just wonderful. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've seen them. They're just I amazing, love them. right? Mm-hmm. So, Regalo, I got when he was six straight, came from Brazil, actually, from a friend that trains dressage horses. Mm-hmm. Very energetic, powerful. Mm-hmm. Very, very intuitive, super sensitive. Mm-hmm. Domino, he was uh, was eleven when we got him. Um, he came from Marcus. Well, he was actually an opening parade horse, so he does mm-hmm. all these beautiful things under the saddle, like Piaf passage, Spanish walk. He bows. He's an he's a real oh, master. Mm -hmm. very strong. What
0: makes him the, like, alpha of the pack? You have to kind of keep him away from the other ones, right? That's a herd Uh instinct.
1: He is the alpha horse, and he controls them, and they need that. They're used to having one horse that is responsible and shows them where to go.
0: Uh Uh And it
1: changes when the new horse comes in that is maybe stronger than him, you know, just like in wilderness. Mm -hmm. Stallions exchange, you know, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we have Chancey, um... Actually, kayak was an interesting story. He was a um, stallion until he was 14. And by the way, I buy them as stallions, but I geld them because I cannot keep them stallions when I have them around children and when they're living free because they would kill each other. Oh, my God. So the hormones will prevent a peaceful life. Uh So stallions need to be kept separate. Uh And so I turn them loose when they're geldings.
0: Ah.
1: (laughs) And um, kayak was... when we got him, and he was a very well-known black Lusitano bullfighting stallion that these four-generation famous bullfighters from Portugal flew in to use him in the bullfights over here. Once again, bloodless bullfights. Um, He stood up for 3,000-pound bulls, and he had no fear. This horse was just like so courageous, and he still is today. He never lets you down. None of them do, but he is special mm-hmm. and all the kids love him and he loves the kids, that's the thing. And all women love him. I mean mm-hmm. he's just, and men too, he mm-hmm. loves everybody and everybody loves him. Yes. Yeah. And then Chance is the last edition, two years ago. Um, he was bought by somebody who had a heart attack right after he bought him and he was put into pasture for five years so he had lost all his muscle. Yeah. And um, Mark got him back. Mark had sold him to this guy, then he got him back, and he started working him again. And then he thought this was maybe was for Sabine. Mm-hmm. So he showed him to me. I wrote him, and I said he's mine. Mm-hmm. Brought him here. Yeah. Named him Chance.
0: <laughs> I love that name. Yes. That's great. And
1: then I actually had him worked with my uh, our other good friend Albert Conde, who is up in. Um, Gilroy, and he had him, I think, for four months just to get him back in shape while I was doing my work over here. And then he came back here, he was ready to go, and he's a, he's a jewel.
0: And they love to work, right? You were saying yes. like it, they're almost like kind of retirees, but they love, they're so great to work with um, therapeutically and with children. And oh, yeah. I know we can't call it therapy, but, but it is a beautiful healing journey that people experience. Yeah, they're over 20. I mean,
1: Kayak is 22. Mm -hmm. Dominio, I think, is 21. Regalo, 21. Turning
0: 22 this year. Yeah. And Chance is now 13. Mm Yeah. Mm Yeah. I'm just remembering being a kid. There's something about, like, before the age of 14, when so much of our subconscious is kind of being programmed, to be around horses and nature like that, and exactly like you're saying, build that discipline, build that trust, understand how you're working with animals, like that stayed with me forever. And I only did a couple weeks, you know, in a horse camp. And uh, I think it makes me just love nature and horses to this day so deeply. Um, so anybody out there, it's time to time to work with a horse. But, well, you yeah. know, I'm here, the horses are mm-hmm. here, and
1: I welcome everybody. Um, it's, it's something mesmerizing, and mm-hmm. I can promise that. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, Sabine, is there anything I haven't asked you that you want to to close out on. Is there anything that we haven't touched on? No, no I don't think so. Well, no. it's no. such a gift to be here. It's so special. So people can find your website. What's your website?
1: Oh, uh, it's the uh, equalleadershipprogram.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love to get new um, contacts. People, I love to speak with people, and um, I I I take the time to speak to people before they even come if they want to, you know, give share their phone numbers with me mm-hmm. through the website I'm happy to call I'm happy to speak explain hear listen mm-hmm. then I can already see a lot going what's going on and I think that's part of my wanting to help people mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know it's not just going to school here we are going on to an individual journey here with horses mm-hmm. and that's the special part of it
0: yeah. Yeah. Everybody want, go re- read the testimonials. It's, they're beautiful. People have just really profound experiences here. Yeah, it's wonderful to see people open up. Yeah, It's such a rewarding work
1: mm-hmm. to see people let go of whatever their issues were and um, leave with a smile, come in stressed, oh my God, you know, working on their watch. And, right. and then after an hour and a half, you know, they turn around and they give you a hug and they hug the horse and they... They have a smile on their face. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is like the beautiful gift to me to see happening. That's what I want to do for people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's happening. Well, I'm so grateful for you. And I'm so I'm so happy that we got to meet and that we got to sit down and talk about this because I think people are really interested and so curious to know. So thank you. Thank you for your time. All right, my friends, thank you so much for being here as always. And before we go, I want to tell you guys something really special. So. Myself, Sabine, and my good friend, Ali Ofstedal, we are hosting a women's retreat in Topanga. Yes, at the ranch, at the beautiful ranch with the horses on the next full moon, which is September 19th. So it's going to be a full day retreat. I'm going to be there leading you guys through a little breath work and meditation. Ali's going to take you through some rituals having to do with creating an altar and altar pieces and subconscious work. And then a lot of the day is going to be around working with these beautiful horses. They're so special. Um, There's a beautiful pool there. So bring your bathing suit. We're going to be doing yoga as well. I mean, it's a full day. So we're going to have, you know, lunch together and juices and really get to know each other and uh, hold space for one another in this way. But um I mean, I can tell you guys, I've had the privilege and the gift of being around Sabine and her work and these horses and same with Allie and her work, you know, and I see the power uh, and the transformation that happens when we take the time for ourselves, make the time for ourselves and invest in ourselves uh, to up level in this way. So that is what's going on. So if you're interested, send me a DM, send me an email, connect with us. Uh, you guys, if you're listening on this Wednesday, are the first to know about this. So um, I'm excited. It's going to be really, really fun. So, in the meantime, yes, again, reminder you can find me on Instagram at Helen Denham underscore and Sabine is at Equine Leadership Program. And com is her website. So, stay in touch with us. Let us know what's going on, what you learned from this episode. And I'm sending you so much love as always. Have a beautiful rest of your week, wherever you are, whatever time zone you're in. And I'll talk to you soon.